Welcome friends to the On Something Podcast. My name is Zane Witcher. Glad to kick back with you for a little bit. Today, we have an interview that's happening with the one and only Caroline Witcher, my spouse. We're almost at five years, and we thought it would be really fun to bring some friends from church on, uh, who we've had many conversations uh, before, and we thought, why not bring this on the podcast for us to discuss kind of the lane of like, their thing is probably where this interview is falling but anyways we talk about a lot of different topics we talk about what uh was helpful in surviving in 2020 biggest things that we've learned about uh being married and a spouse expectations bringing into a relationship uh what piece of advice we've been holding on to and we also talk about the theology of oreos so that basically sums up everything you could imagine in an episode without further ado here is that interview with Caroline Witcher, Riley Simpson, and Molly Bear. All right, so we got a podcast takeover today. We wanted to kick off the interviews that we're doing once a month. Uh, and uh, this interview is going to be happening uh, with Carolina, who has found a way to sneak into uh, the outros of most of the podcasts for the month of January now. You're welcome. Yep. Sure. Proud to be here. Yep. And we felt like the only way to make sure it wasn't the Carolina show was that we invited two friends today to come interview us in which you will be hearing from them. So we're going to give them the podcast episode today. I'll introduce each of them to you. The first one is Riley Simpson, both friends that we go to church with. I would describe Riley as someone that God has given a lot of resources to and is probably one of the most resourceful people that I have seen and noticed. And uh, I think he's given away parts of his life with those resources, and I just highly respect that. Uh, and then Molly Bear, not to be mistaken with Baird, like the bread, but Molly Bear, uh, I think I would sum her up as the thing that I appreciate the most is how much you pursue just life and really trying to figure out what does God bring upon your life, not trying to mimic or copy other people's lives. And we've just kind of gotten to see you sort through some of that and have enjoyed that. And I look up to that element. What would you uh, add or subtract? Or do you have any gossip that you'd say about that here? Yeah, no, I, I try to practice not gossiping. Um, but... <laughs> I don't know. Um, but I would say Molly is easily like, I, we just connected from the moment that we met and the friendship that we share is so special and so unique. So yeah, she's just a great voice in my life and somebody that I'm, I'm thankful that we get to have on the podcast today and was willing to interview us. And then Riley, I really appreciate his balance of having a ton of fun, like laughing a lot while at the same time having really in-depth conversations. Um, actually, really both of them do that really well. And so um, I just think that's a great dynamic to have, especially in a conversation like this one. So glad we get to have y'all. Man, what an intro. <laughs> yeah, real. We have a lot to live up to in this podcast, but also thank you guys so much for that. I feel like with both of us, we've talked a lot about how um, we just, we feel very seen by you guys, but we also look up to you a ton and are excited to get to throw some questions your way. Because every time we've ever asked you a question, basically every time we hang out with you, we feel like we're interviewing you. It's true. We did talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so this is just like a good way to, to bring some of those questions to more people that can benefit from the wisdom that you guys share between each other. So we wanted to begin by starting off a little bit talking about 2020. Um, the craziest year of our lives. 
So our first question is, what are the five things that carried you through 2020? Yeah, I would say, um, well, first of all, we had so much more one-on-one time this year than I think what we normally would have. And so um, quality time together was huge. And I think we really have taken advantage of that, um, took advantage of that throughout 2020. And so whether that was, yeah, I mean, from like puzzles and just hanging out and playing together to um, work parties in the evenings sometimes, which just kind of happens. And mm-hmm. anyway, yeah, just spending time together. Recently, we got to build a snowman together. So it's just the the small things that we were able to do. I'm more of a list person, so I'd go I'd go straight for care's ability to relax, long runs on Saturdays, voices on social media, uh, the ability to work from home, and centering in the Psalms would be my top five for how in the world 2020 was able to be endured and worked through. What does voices on social media mean? Yeah, voices on social media was like, especially being in West Texas, like I've had exposure to where I've had a ton of diverse voices at times. But like geographically, like this is just not a place where you get a lot of different thoughts. Um, So although social media has a lot of like push and pull, right? Like it's kind of like the uh, Olaf Frozen thing of like, have you ever considered how technology is our greatest gift? Mm -hmm. Also destroy us at the same time. (laughs) Yeah, I'm tracking. I get that feeling, but like it was very helpful with processing like textually, but also like with racial reconciliation, like being able to tune in and learn from other people to be like, I don't know enough. And people in my context don't have a diverse perspective. And I need some voices outside of that. I love that positive perspective on social media too. Carolina, did you have anything you wanted to add? Yeah. So I'll do a list version like Zane did. So quality time together would be the first. Um, I fell in love with a new book series, which has been huge um, because reading has been a challenge for me for a while. And so that's been really big. What book series? Oh, it's uh, it's by Karen Kingsbury. Uh, It's like her whole like following the Baxter family. It's like 15 books. Oh, my goodness. Whoa. She's like just added a new book to that. And series. it's all the same storyline, right? Yeah. It's like all the same family and builds off of generations what a of writer. them growing up. Then I'd say fuzzy socks and blankets oh have goodness. been massive. We have so many fuzzy <laughs> socks in this house. Yeah. Our dryer will never be the same. Rest, <laughs> rest is so important to me. It's so important. So that's huge. Our new house was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So mm-hmm. moving and that, you know, took a whole like last half of the year of 2020 and getting us settled. Yeah, I would yeah, I would say friends, relationships, staying connected even when apart. We know that you guys are both people that uh, are constantly learning, but you're also constantly learning about one another. And so we want to know uh, what was the biggest thing that you learned about the other person in this last year? Yeah, my mine's kind of double flip when I think on this idea, mostly because it taught me the most about myself through learning through care, mostly because I've I've sometimes really struggled in people that are uh, outward processors um, that are verbal because I think sometimes verbal processing is just kind of dangerous because you're launching words into a room without thinking about the sharpness or implications of them. Care does outward processing a ton. I do inward. I've learned through marriage with her that like there is an element of outward processing that is actually like extremely healthy. Um, in some ways, I've had to learn in marriage that 
I can't go from point A to point Y and just tell Carolina point Y. I have to learn how to actually tell Carolina. So I thought about point C, and then I realized point M, which has now brought me to point Y. Like, I've had to learn that. So, like, that's that's something I've learned about Carolina, but I've also appreciated about you is just that ability. I just... I just didn't see the value in it until I saw how you could outwardly process and then pull it out of me as well. Um, yeah, I'd say I I have learned and like I knew this about you, but it is it is um I guess just made its further point of your resilience and your discipline that I like didn't yeah, I just I didn't know just how strong those strengths and characteristics were within you. Um, until 2020 hit and most people were like, you know, quarantining, whatever, watching TV, social media, scrolling, like just kind of bowed out of life a little bit. And you very much leaned further into it. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, just like how early you wake up every day, your consistency with everything and your ability to follow through and have the discipline that even when it's hard, even when it's not what you want to do, even when you're like truly not feeling it, you still just do it anyway. And, um, and that's been tough and it's been a tough year, especially work-wise and just navigating COVID and navigating all the yeah. challenges going on with that and how that's changed so much of our world. I mean, it's been challenging for all of us, but, um, you've just, you just keep going, stay strong. Thanks. Yeah. Resilience is not a word I would staple with my name. So that's so complimentary. Yeah. I would. I do. Oh. <laughs> okay, that was really sweet. That was a great that question, really y'all. Yeah. Well, that was really I sweet. Mean, we're we being were just counseled right now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're welcome. <laughs> <But>. <laughs> Man, I, I think it's a little bit of power. <laughs> <laughs> it's really cool to watch you guys too. Like, I feel like even right there, I was watching you learn more about yourself as you listen to yeah. what you learned about each other. So yeah. that was cool. Okay, next question. So we are kind of coming off of your last podcast on this one. And one of the things that you were talking about is discernment within a relationship and how you decide whether or not you should move into the relationship phase. And while we know that you two have been in the relationship phase for quite a while. So our question is, what do you do together that you don't do as well apart? And how did you identify that? Yeah, I think there's several things that I would much rather partner with him on or would much rather do. I'm trying to really narrow in of like, what do we do better together that we don't do apart? I, yeah. I got one if you, unless you've got it. Well, my first thought honestly goes to like, we, we love collaborating together. So if that's taking stuff, it's usually taking stuff from work or life or whatever it might be. And we just process and analyze every bit of it, mm. like, like down to the nitty gritty. And, um, and it's so fun. Like we've, we've really done that from the beginning of our relationship and friendship even, but I think that's only grown in strength over time that, uh, yeah, just the analyzing life and, um, you know, Hey, is there a, a better idea that I can do here for this work project or, you know, what do you, what do you think about this? Or I'm really trying to like have this, I need to have a really hard conversation here. What's the best way to go about that? And um, yeah, I just think we do a great job and are naturally inclined to have those conversations. That's mm -hmm. fun. Yeah. I was going to say something very close of like, I feel like we field 
the narratives better with each other than we do like individually. So like we're pretty good at helping each other figure out what people's motivations are or like Mm -hmm. recorrecting perceptions. Like especially, I mean, both of our jobs are so people oriented that sometimes I, sometimes I can get so overwhelmed with people emotionally that like by the end of the day, I'm like, I'm assigning this emotion or motivation to this person. Cause like emotionally I'm tired and care is really good at being like, uh, could I ask you a couple questions that may help you not think that way about that person? And I feel like we mutually do that well with each other. Yeah. Yeah. So like as a whole, it sounds like you're saying that you are stronger at discernment together, being able to bounce that off of each other um, as yeah. you engage yeah. the world we would with people individually. Nice. That's awesome. For sure. Very cool. And that's something that both of y'all help other people do so well, too. Yeah. Like, y'all are both so good at that already. Like, I don't know. I just know from my conversations individually with y'all how how I often leave those so much more confident of whatever decision I'm trying to make or whatever decision I'm seeing other people make that I might be worried about and I don't know it makes a lot of sense that coming together y'all would be kind of a discernment powerhouse yeah that's what I'm gonna call it yeah hey thank you yeah that's awesome yeah um so okay this will be actually kind of a fun question going from there and so we want to know what were the expectations that you brought into your marriage that you realized were differing like you came in you're like oh we both like this was just an assumed fact Mm -hmm. and now i realize that you have a different opinion of this yeah first one off the top of my head is that uh we would cuddle every night before going to sleep oh Oh my gosh you were telling me this the other day (laughs) literally yesterday (laughs) yeah zane's not a cuddler at night Mm -hmm. now first thing in the morning great but not at night he's like don't touch me don't be near me yeah my philosophy with that (laughs) my philosophy with that is when we have a bedtime we have a bedtime and when it's time to sleep it's time to sleep it's not time to like cuddle and then on top of that like we live in texas the weather is like nearly always hot i'm hot just as a human body alone you stack another human body on top of me like it's just so much you know okay that was cares zane um Although that was a joking one, I might have another one. Okay. okay. <laughs> She's coming back with more. Yeah, I, this, is kind of, this is kind of a medium one that I feel like we've been working out like post year three of marriage was um, being able to be present with each other, but not always having to do everything together. Like I think we felt we felt a deep sense when we first got married um that like if we weren't doing something together when we had the time that was available to us we almost felt a like sense of guilt of like are we okay are we on the same page are we like being space from each other and like really we just kind of moved into this place of understanding like we're still two individual people who can like do things side by side uh but not have to be always overlapping in everything um, and that's been something that I think was an expectation that shifted for us. I think we just needed, we needed someone to be like, it's okay. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that was huge. 
that that was really helpful too because like we we kept our marriage counseling going even after we got married so we just rolled it straight into um the first couple of years that we were married which really helped work out some of those things like that. that's not something you hear people do a lot but i feel like that just makes the yeah. most sense especially whenever people are like the first year is often the most difficult year mm-hmm. of marriage i don't know if that's actually true yeah. but you know something that yeah. everyone experiences differently Okay, so this is one that we were just really curious about because we feel like, I don't know, I guess kind of going off of the whole you're both individuals thing, you both are humans walking through life on planet Earth individually and also together. So our question is, what does it look like for you when one of you is experiencing desolation and one of you is experiencing consolation? And we might require some definitions for those, so... All right, here we go. So um, if we're going to use like some of what Zane has taught me as Ignatius's language, um, then desolation would really be, and consolation both, are rather a state of being um, more than they are a a sort of like feeling. Um, And so desolation would be what he would define as something that is a state of being whenever you were kind of in the influence of the enemy of what he calls the human spirit. So whenever you're listening to lies about your reality or yourself or your identity, and then consolation would be that state of being in which you're listening to the Spirit of God as uh, the Spirit of God informs your identity, informs the way that you're perceiving reality, informs uh, uh, the way that you're in the world. Um, and it doesn't mean that you can't go through happiness and sadness and other feelings in those states of being, but they are uh, kind of just like more defined by certain aspects if that makes sense does that help yeah i think that describes it really well i mean yeah anything that aligns with spirit moves towards faith hope and love anything that moves toward towards false spirit is um lie and trajectory like you just said mm-hmm. i i can go first on this one if you yeah i one that one of the things that i felt like has been a growing process for us when one of us is in each is I've learned that you cannot interpret it through your lens when the other person is in that situation. So like one of the temptations as a spouse, at least that I've faced, is that when my spouse is not in the same place as I am, I immediately want to interpret it through how is this going to affect me or what does this uh, mean for this decision that's coming up between the two of us? Uh, or, uh, you know, how long is this going to detract or sacrifice on my end? Like anytime I start from that place, when one of us is in consolation and desolation, uh, it's always going to end very badly just because, uh, that's not what your partner needs at that time. And I remember when I first started doing this, I would start asking you questions you care. I'd start asking you questions down the road that was not helpful for her place of desolation. And I started taking her down there. And then the more I evaluated my motivation, I was like, I'm asking this because I've got concerns for me, not concerns for what you are, which that's like really the like sanctifying work that the spirit's doing in it. Um, yeah, it, that that's one of the lessons I've had to learn very quickly is you can't read it through the lens of what's this mean for me. Uh, or did did I do something like I've done that narrative on you sometimes of like, what did I do? And it's like, 
I'm in a place of desolation for something else. It's not for what you did. Can we get off of you for and to, yeah. you know, actually address what it is? So that, that's been a huge point. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely resonate with that. I have come across several moments where similarly I'll I'll get really passionate about when Zane's in different spaces of desolation and how he should respond or or work his way out of it. Um and and that can sometimes come across as like me pushing him into a certain direction instead of just like sitting and being. And what I found is that most, like the best thing that I can do in those moments is to truly just sit and be and ask questions and like, just sit in that space. Um, but the moment that I start to feel like my heart racing and like getting pumped up and, and getting that passion inside of me, it's like, this is not, this is not my problem to solve, right? Like this is, this is a moment for me to remind Zane of who he is, um, remind Zane of, of truth and, and what God has said about him, um, does say about him, but it's kind of it. Mm-hmm. And letting Zane wrestle and do the rest of the work because that's, because it ultimately is, is what you need to figure out, right? Yeah. Like you need to get to that healthier space and I can't control that. Yeah. It's almost like the guiding principle is it's not persuasion, but it's about presence. Yeah. Like the temptation is always to try and pull one person to consolation to meet both or to pull right. both to desolation. And it's like, or to fix pres- it. yeah, presence yeah. is the principle, not persuasion of, Oh, we'll reframe how you look at that or, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. And I love that wisdom too, because I think it applies not only in relationships, like romantic relationships, but also just like friendships mm-hmm. and right. relationships with family members too, because even outside of a romantic relationship, you're still having those experiences of wanting the people around you to be in consolation. And I don't know, I love what you guys were saying about um, what Carolina was saying about becoming so excited when you feel like you know the answer to solving someone else's desolation, but um, that not being what the other person needs to hear. I love that because I've experienced that with friends too, where I'm like, here's the answer, I have it for you, but what they don't need is me handing them the answer on a golden platter. It's just me being present there with them. That's really good. Yeah. I think I think if 2020's taught us something anymore, it's that like we shouldn't be asking to remove ourselves from the places that do pull us towards desolation as much as asking like, what do I need to receive in this place of desolation? Um, and that's kind of that's kind of like what you're saying, Molly, of like if we're going to be really good friends to people, we got to stop saying, how do I get you out of this? Or how do I reframe this opposed to like a healthier version or theology of suffering? That's like, there's something to be received here. Right. And then also realizing like, there are going to be so many times when I have a friend who's experiencing desolation or a family member or whoever who's experiencing desolation and I don't have the answer. So it's like, what, what do I even do in that instance? And it's, I think the answer kind of lies in what y'all are saying of just being present and being with that friend in whatever he or she is going through yeah. rather than trying to scramble for answers. Yeah. Our next question um, is this. I think we have been um, really influenced by something in your life that brings about this question. And so we, we want to know, as you have both just like walked with God, but then walked with each other, like what has become your favorite thing about 
also walking alongside that people who are younger than you um, in, a, in, in a ministry context and then also just like a relational context. We just see that you both do this in your life a lot, individually and together. And with us. And with us. <laughs> yeah. And we have a blast doing it. That's great. <laughs> um, for me, I I just really enjoy the in-depth yeah. conversations that come with it. Yeah. Like I am so fueled by uh, reflection, by um, this the state of like recognizing there's room to grow, recognizing where somebody wants to be and then walking alongside them to get there like that whole journey um yeah the realization of who like who someone is in christ and the potential and then to see that light bulb moment go off um that's that's thrilling to me right to and also gosh college years are wonderful especially for this because you go from pursuing a career to pursuing like who you want to be as a, as a person. And there's this shift from, I'm, I don't just want to be a teacher, but I want to be a person who changes people's lives. And I can do that through teaching, but I can also do that in a number of different ways. And so I just, I love those moments of reflection and realization to see um, there's so much more to life than just the job that we're headed towards. Um, and so how do we really dive deep into who those people are that we want to be? and growing into it. Yeah. I just, I just care. I, I don't know what it, I mean, some of it's probably like Enneagram two work that needs to be worked out, but like, I really do care about at my healthiest. I care about like people moving in increments. And the only way to move people in increments is to actually um, be present in people's lives to like slowly see the uh, the inches and the moving. I think I, I've got a little bit of just a natural because I had, I just had some like really good men in my life that like had no reason whatsoever to take me under their wing and they just kind of did. Um, but now that I'm on the flip side of that, cause I've thought more about that of like the amount of people that disciple me now has like, is like really shrunk. Um, and the amount I disciple on the other end is a lot. And some of that is like contextual for this season right now. But like one of the things I'm learning is I think we think that it's always like, well, whoever is discipling me, then I push down and I disciple other people. But the reality is, is when you start discipling people, um, you are getting mutually discipled. There is no like ladder that happens with it. Uh, and that's what I'm learning with some of my mentors is that it really was a form of discipleship to them even though I thought it was, we were just going to McDonald's and getting ripped <laughs> together, um, right? which is of Satan. That's not Yeah, that is just absolutely, if you're eating McRib, you're in desolation 100%. For sure. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> but yeah, I think I think there, there was some instincts that kind of got driven into me really young, and now I'm learning it. Um, I'll, I'll say on another end is that uh, it helps me interpret like scripture. Like I think um, like C.S. Lewis has this quote that goes, every generation has one of the greatest outlooks and they also have one of the greatest downfalls. And I feel like, I feel like the real benefit of people who are younger is that they're not scarred by cynicism. Um, and there's a willingness to believe that like the spirit of God can do things still that I find when I'm in a lot older circles, I'm always trying to nuance things for people 
for them to come along and buy into an idea that just doesn't have to happen with young people. And sometimes that's called um, naiveness, but at sometimes I think that's just a like not being scarred by cynicism. And I think it's really huge and it helps me kind of hear like, what's the spirit of God doing in the next generation? Um, yeah. And like, I, like I would really like to tell everyone in university ministry, like I feel very confident and like people are on to something with what they believe. Uh, but there is also a downfall in this generation that like I get a front row seat to see. So I just think, yeah, I just, I just think that's something that's been huge for my development, even though we're talking about pouring and investing into other people. That's really awesome. All right, we've got one last question. One last question. Okay, to end today, we wanna ask, what piece of advice are you holding on to that you're waiting for someone to ask you for? Well, I did some serious prayer time before this question. I mean, that is a, that is a very like, unique question yeah and i i love unique questions but like i feel like i get to drag unique questions <laughs> <laughs> i read that I was like oh my goodness <laughs> yeah the only thing uh the first thing that comes to mind is um and this is just like throwing it in their disclaimer um is yeah we're just really passionate about like being super open with relationship dynamics and part of that also being like sex and everything that goes along with like navigating We knew us. Carolina was gonna talk about sex. Oh, oh. Y'all, y'all, someone literally this past week who barely has had conversations with Caroline literally said, oh, you haven't met Zane's wife? She's the one that talks about sex. Oh, let's go! Labeled and described. Oh, and sure enough, Andre and Carolina so comes marching in with this I'm just saying, we we just didn't have a lot of people in our lives who would talk to us about like about sex and about navigating like sure. the physical relationship. It's hard and and like dating and all. And so we we vowed from a very early stage. We said we are going to be here and we're going to be present. And like we don't want there to be any doubt that people can come and talk to us about anything related to physical relationship transition into sex, yeah, dating, marriage, all all of that. So putting that out there yeah I feel, I feel like that's been grounded in our calling here yeah like i feel like that's one of the reasons i think a lot of our people who have left they're like y'all are still in abilene it's like i think that's that's something that we said wow this sucked <laughs> like yeah. we want this to be different for other people here yeah yeah so my mine's probably twofold on this question so one one was one was something that I actually received as a word this morning that I was like, oh, well, that just that just aligns this quite like I've I, I read Mark eight, which was uh, it kind of tells the exchange of like Peter and Jesus. when he says, who do you think I am? I'm the Messiah. And then, you know, Peter turns around and he basically is like, yo, I'm going to rebuke you for saying like the in three days you're going to pass and like yada, yada, yada. And I never noticed in Mark, but Mark literally describes it like this. He says, and Jesus turned around and looked at all the other disciples and then turned to Peter and rebuked Peter. And one of the things that I think I'm navigating with my relationships with people right now, especially in like harder conservative circles is like, there, there are times where you have to publicly rebuke in front of other people. 
And I think that is, that's something that's being pressed on me. I think it's being pressed on other people, uh, you know, like in particular with like racism, but also with nationalism. Um, it just kind of opened my eyes today of like the church, the church is going to be this place that is like Peter's the embodiment of the church. Like the church can turn around and get one thing right. And then the church can turn around and get something exactly wrong from one paragraph to the next paragraph. And I think for those who want to write off the church, uh, you're not reading that text clearly. It can literally say the right thing and then it can turn around and do the wrong thing. Our job is to rebuke it and to speak it out. And for Jesus to literally look around at a small group of people and publicly like denounce something, I think that's the ministry of reconciliation that's in front of us. Um, so like that word I'm kind of sitting on a little bit because I know I'm going into that with relationships, not as much as like, like don't, don't hear me say it as a holier than thou. Like I'm expecting that call is on me, not just telling other people that that call is on them. Um, so that's just kind of getting deeper into, into me. Uh, and then the, the other thing that I'm kind of holding on is that, uh, I think for everyone that is so frustrated with, uh, how things work and everyone can talk about like idealistic. Here's the thing. God is so graceful that literally God will use broken systems to be able to bring people to things. So like I talk about all the time, how like the gospel, the way we talk about it is so narrow, like as far as it just being like atonement of like Jesus died for your sins. He was resurrected in three days you know, if you believe like, you know, all of that and kind of the like fear culture of like, you need to believe in Jesus to be saved by Jesus. That way you can go to heaven. Like, I, I just, I just think it's laughable that like this generation is so cynical at like, well, this is wrong. And this thing isn't set up the right way. And this language is problematic. Here's the most incredible thing. We should keep working on all those things. We should do better and we need to do better. But also, God is so graceful that God is still going to use those things. And that that to me, I think, is like it should be a moment of comfort for us and a breath of fresh air for people who wake up every day frustrated, anxious and exhausted um, by like everything that's broken in the world. Absolutely true. But we also recognize God's grace is so big that God can start with these broken things and move them to better things. And I, I am starting to think I'm just going now, my bad, but like, but like, I think generationally, like sometimes we just need to hold grace for like, yes, we need to call generations before us, like to better than what they have done. But here's the other thing, like God is so good that God's going to use generations that have struggled or have just messed up or done this wrong and is going to birth like the new generation that comes out of that. So sometimes I think people's faithfulness, even though they don't know it, especially for older generations, sometimes their faithfulness is even though they may disagree with younger generations and be like, they have it off, their faithfulness is still launching the next generation who will recorrect what they were wrong with. And that that to me is just something that, I don't know, it's just, way, it's just weighing really heavy on me of like, we need to give each other some grace, but we also need to recognize that there's things that are broken and need to get fixed. And yeah, those, those are my two things that I've been thinking on a lot lately and holding on. Yeah. Wow. Glad we asked that question. Yeah, me yeah. too. We just learned a lot. 
All right. Well, we're like way past the time that you gave we us. We are way past. We even skipped <laughs> well, a that, question. That's true. We definitely got time to stick on one more question. And it was the question that y'all didn't ask us that we should just turn to you. Oh, shoot. So oh, you had no. Yeah. Yeah. Here's how it feels. Molly, feel the power. No. Uh, <laughs> so, so y'all had a question that was, uh, if you were going to go back a couple years, what habits would you tell yeah. yourself to establish? I'm very curious on people that are on the back end of a college career what what would you establish i well okay so i came to college and it was just a mess of like did every single thing to do because i was just like trying to escape some boredom trying to escape some like finding community um and so like i would wake up in the mornings have a million things to do during the day and just think oh well they'll happen when they happen i'd go to bed consistently like 2 a.m i had a really bad relationship with sleep uh, and then Zane Witcher entered my life and he slapped me with a calendar in the face and he said, write down Sabbath and write down sleep on this calendar. And I said, yes, sir. And so, <laughs> and so, yeah, I think like the big things to me is that I went from being a yes man and saying yes to everything um, to really developing over years. It took, it's taken me years and I'm still working on this, like an actual, like, healthy relationship with sleep and rest. Um, and those two things are what I would really establish early on. Um, just the the decision to get a certain amount of sleep every night. Um, right now it's currently, I'm aiming for seven and a half hours of really <laughs> blessed sleep. That's a whole, whole lot. Um, it's scheduled in my, his like, calendar. Yes, it is. Literally, like, if you look at his calendar, it just says sleep for yeah, seven and a half hours. It really does. But it. like freshman year, I was sleeping an average of five and a half hours a night. Like it was it. just like not enough. Whatever and you got to do. Whatever you Some of do. us don't have that problem, <laughs> <Okay>. but. <laughs> well, for those of you who do, you got you to gotta sleep. And then the other thing is that I have started Sabbathing um, as a, a weekly rhythm this last year where every single Saturday I put aside all, uh, all work, all homework, all um, emails, anything like that. And I just like let that day be a day where I enjoy close people and proximity to God. And I think that that is a, a habit that I wish I had started at the beginning of, of college as well, because it, it's really just changed who I am as a person. So I think those are two, mm. the two habits I would really, I would really mm. wish that I had started earlier. Yeah, and mine is um, drinking water. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Yes. Uh -huh. No, that's that a habit you're still working on. That's so. a joke. Yeah, I can't actually speak on that one because I'm still currently in the beginning stages of developing uh -huh. that habit. Yeah. Um, if you know me, so you know that. that I'm chronically dehydrated, and this is something that Riley and Carolina specifically <laughs> care about a lot. <laughs> So if you find yourself um, in a time of prayer soon after this, just include me in those. Um, lift it up to the yeah, Father. Yeah, just lift it up to the Father on my behalf. I'd really appreciate that. Um, yeah, but on the real, okay, so this is also something that I am currently working on a lot and um, something that I was actually thinking about today before this podcast because I was trying to think of what my word for the year would be, which is something that I've never done before, but everyone's doing it this year, so I feel like I should hop on the bandwagon. Nice. But I was just thinking um, about how clarity and honesty are mm. something that I don't do very well. And I heard yesterday, maybe it was something that you said, Zane, at church, I'm not really sure, or maybe I read it, but was talking about how clarity 
in relationships and friendships or having a lack of clarity in relationships and friendships is actually harmful to them. And I think that's something that I have learned over the years and really had to learn the hard way because I, coming into college, did not make it a habit to be honest with myself and also be honest with the people around me about what I was feeling or even what I was thinking or even um, what kinds of things I found myself planning for. I just never, um, I never really came I never really was open with myself about what those things were and also was not open with other people about what those things were because I think I tend to be just kind of scared of my own feelings and my own thoughts and so I've really been trying to create a habit recently of, um, of taking those thoughts and feelings that I have and really looking at them and really seeing them as real and seeing them as um, valid and important and things that make up me as an individual um which does not come easily to me at all and might not be as practical as scheduling my sleep in my google calendar but it really is a habit that i've just really been trying to cultivate and something that i looking back on my first few years of college man, if I had done a better job of being honest with myself and being honest with the people around me and not even in like a, you know, I don't think I want to be friends with you anymore kind of way, but more of like a, um, this is how I'm feeling and this is how I'm kind of hurt right now. Let's talk about that together. Um, I think that I probably would not have gotten into some of the spots that I have found myself in throughout college. And so yeah, if I could go back and give myself that wisdom, I totally would. Hmm. Do you guys have any concluding thoughts that you would like to add before we go ahead and wrap this up? Hey, uh, do y'all want to hear just a really fun conclusion for Caroline? I'm going to set her up really well. Oh, Absolutely. yeah. Do you want to hear yes. her theology on Oreos? Yes. Oh my Absolutely. gosh. Always. Would you, like to, would you like to drop the mic of this episode? By talking about your theology of the Oreos. Sure. Yeah, this came up the other day when we were talking about I'm trying to figure out what dessert to get um, for Sabbath. And uh, obviously Oreos was on the table. But we, <laughs> as an option. Wait, are we talking um, like double said, stuffed, mint, oh, regular? 100%. Double stuffed, like double stuffed chocolate. Like your your regular double stuff is great for me. With peanut butter. Always got to dip it in peanut butter. Okay, parent trap oh, style. No. Uh -uh. I'm with you. Parent <laughs> trap. That's great. So good. Uh, Zane's is golden Oreos, by the way. But Yeah, I'll do maybe. either. Yeah. Golden's jam. Yeah, for sure. Mm. So, but we were talking about it. And um, John anyway, we, yeah, we decided against it because, you know, the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy, right? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. Oreos. Truly, wow. have come to steal, kill, and destroy wow. because they steal oh. our money. <laughs> what I say, they steal our money, they kill our energy, and they, um, oh, how did I? Damn. They destroy our stomach, and they destroy our stomach. Yeah, something yeah. like that. They steal. Yeah. Anyway, and basically, just the fact that I would eat them all weekend, it would be most of my meals, and I will go through a whole box in a matter of two days, yeah. and family size, obviously. Yeah. I mean, that's why they're called sandwich cookies, right? Yes, they're so good. A whole so meal. they're they're of the devil, but they're so good. 
right? Because they steal, kill, and destroy. Wow. I have never thought about that, but I think there's something to that. I really do. <laughs> it's gonna make me rethink yeah. how I spend the afternoons when I sit down yeah. with my Also, do we really know what all of the lines and symbols on the Oreo cookie mean? Are you, you suggesting know? there's like a hidden pentagram? I mean, I'm not suggesting it. I'm just asking questions here. Okay, that's fair. Wow. So fair. you might be onto something. Yeah. Actually. That's what this podcast is for. Wait, so. this podcast? Yeah. Yeah. Onto something? Yeah. All right. Well, in that case, should we tell our <laughs> friends that they should remember that until next time? You're onto something. All right, this has been episode 32 of the On to Something podcast. Huge thanks to Riley and Molly being willing to interview us. And uh, one way that you can help us out with this project is if you can like things or subscribe things. Always super helpful. doesn't cost you very much money or much time, but it's greatly appreciated to let us know that you are out there. Now, care what we need to cover with these Oreos that we talked about. Yeah, so if you have any thoughts that you would like to share on the Oreo debacle, what are your favorite Oreos? And, well, are they just too tempting for us? Uh, share your thoughts. We'd love to hear your comments on Instagram. Um, also, if you want to just keep up to date with all things going on onto something, visit the website at ontosomething.com. Remember, right, that is onto something with no G.com. Mm. All right, we'll, we'll see, see you later. G's later. Thanks, y'all.